the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. We sure are. And the time is 6.06. On this Monday edition of Lifeline, February 6, 2023. We will be headed to the phone lines. I've got three lines open. One, triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. I know how I have engendered some of your thoughts. Let's have the dialogue. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let me let me just read off these five intentions that uh, Jordan B. Peterson and he says somewhere around two thousand delegates are going to gather together over the next several months to begin to talk about it and then begin to push these policies as they could. He says number one. The first thing they're going to deal with is how to get energy prices, how to develop clean and necessary energy at the lowest possible cost in order to stop exploiting the poor and to get those energy prices low for the largest number of people in the world. In other words, let's put it into the assumption of a power grab needed by the oligarchs to take over all the energy, because once the energy is taken over and the banking, which is your central banking digital credit system on the verge of taking place, there's no way to resist. Number two, Engage in pro-human view of Earth stewardship. Now, 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 Peterson knows he's been talking with very smart geologists around the, the farce of global warming. Ladies and gentlemen, so much of this stuff is a lie. Your medical industry, your geopolitics, your um, your geologists who have been bought and sold to captivated by big money. They're all lying in terms of the real harm. He says engage in pro-human view of Earth stewardship. Humans are not the fundamental problem. It's people in power and in control. Thirdly, put forth a vision for pro-family heterosexual policies. The maintenance of a long-term monogamous couples uh, relationship who are child-centered. And I can tell you, we can sit here and talk at length about that. What Jordan is saying is it does not work. You do not have a better life when you have policies like China did, where you submit them down to reduce them, themselves to one child. China is now in serious trouble because once you start a, a nation down a trajectory of limited children, you can't automatically turn that around. That takes decades upon decades. And you can look up and have a severe shortage of men. And the next thing you know, you are in trouble. So he says, putting forth the vision of a pro-family heterosexual. See, he's, he's dealing with it, you guys. He's dealing with it. 
Fourthly, and a he calls this a discovery of our story. He says we need to have a discovery of our story that is engaging in dialogue about who we are, our identity, our interrelationships in what is called voluntary play, the mutual voluntary interactions of men and women, not polarizing, but legitimately competitive to produce the best social conditions excuse me, and mutually beneficial co-ops for life. I mean, you know, I I follow Jordan, so I know what he's talking about here at the psychological level. Um, We're all trying to tell a story. And right now, the story that you're being told is is that the white man is bad, the black man is good, and everything needs to be tore down. There is a utopia to be had so long as everybody submits to Klaus Schwab, who's going to take everything from you and you're going to still be happy. Well, what Jordan is saying is that's a bunch of crock. I agree with him. It's totally unbiblical. But do you have a better solution to all the lies being taught you in your colleges, high schools and middle schools under this false, fake, woke doctrine? Number five, he's saying, uh, no, I'm going to leave that one alone. This has to do with the surge of transgenderism. This is remarkable. You are living in a time where your children and for some of you, you're old enough for these to be your grandchildren and great grandchildren who are running like mass to change their sexual orientation and physical biological gender. And the question is, why is this happening? This goes back to Yuri Bismanov's ideological subversion. The brain, the chemistry of the brain has been changed by propaganda. And because we have dysfunctional moms and dads who don't know how to teach their children the truth in a substantial way. Our children are not rooted and grounded and therefore are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the cunning slate of men that lay in wait to take them captive. This includes church folk. This includes church folk. Because we have not been robust In understanding the world around us, and we've been playing uh, sleight of hands when it comes to teaching our kids solidly, and we have not taught them to be apologetic, we have not taught them to be uh, discerning, and we have allowed them to drink from the cesspool of Marxist, neo-Marxist ideology, and it has destroyed their capacity to recognize that they are created in the Imago Dei. He made them male and female in the image of God created he him, in the image of God created he them. And so now we're dealing with 176 pronouns and multiple gender identities, never in the history of the world. Here's what we are. And again, very little commentary on the part of the Christians because they're ashamed because we have to first admit that we were wrong and we need to repent and uh, and then lay out a better argument for why our children are created in the Imago Dei and that it would be catastrophic should our nation become another Sodom and Gomorrah across the totality of the 52 states. We would be reaping nothing but the act of wrath of God, because what we're dealing with right now is the passive wrath of God, according to Romans 1. Let me see. I'm going to start the conversation, but I'm waiting on you to call. Let me go to line number two and begin the conversation with James. We'll pick up with Donna after the break. And we've got two more lines open. One, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. James, are you there? Hey, PJ, am I? 
What's going on, man? Hey. Hey, uh, there's a lot, you know, don't even know uh, where to start. I guess we'll start uh, with the last thing first with Jordan uh, B. Peterson. So I know you follow him and, and I haven't had a chance to keep up. The last piece I read on him was they were going to try to force him to go through some sort of training, I think, uh, retraining. Or, I guess they were just trying to silence him is what it came down to. Right. Uh, and so I suppose that. That's not going to, I mean, I know that's not going to happen because he's too strong for that. Uh, but, you know, I just, I, you know, I just wonder how is it that we've got here? How have just, we don't even have to be a Christian. How can just a sober, clear thinking adult even accept, and you used to teach this terminology at its core? You know, right. I don't even understand how transgender. I don't even understand how that's even a, a a a a word, let alone a topic, because it's not real. I mean, like, it, it, trans that doesn't now. Oh yeah, uh, from a false appearance, it may look that way, but but we know what the truth is, and so and nobody wants to talk about it, or they're afraid to talk about it, or would be in silence because it's hate speech. They call it hate speech. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. What to me is hate speech, when you take the living word of God and blaspheme that and take your your narrative and assert it above the word of God that governs all mankind, whether you believe it or not, his word is true. Amen. I guess I just don't understand why, I guess a part of me really does understand why Bible believing and I guess that's the problem right there Bible believing Christians because we've allowed ourselves I guess to be divorced or separated from the scripture now, uh, now, now James I want you to hold on I'm going to take you through the break me and you and Donna and maybe some other brave souls remember um, uh, P- Dr. Peter McCullough has a substack called uh, Courageous Discourse now, that's what we're having right now. Courageous discourse. OK, so I'm going to take you up on that more fully. Now, you know that, you know, we know each other well and you have tossed out a number of rhetorical questions that I already know, you know, the answer. But I will say this because it does flummox most people. I'm talking about the massive uh, psychological and therefore uh, rhetorical mask wearing See, when you have a mask on, you can't talk. When you have a mask on, you've been told that you are toxic. When you have a mask on, you're you're being told that you are uh, a social contagion. And so people are keeping their mouth shut because they're afraid. It's called fear. It's called the spirit of fear. Uh, Again, to bondage. They're afraid to speak up. No courageous discourse. Can you imagine the conversation that Noah had for 100 years while he was building the ark? I want to say one more thing and I'm going to take a break. What you and I are dealing with is a strong delusion to believe a lot. So when Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit because they are spiritually discerned. He wasn't talking merely about secular people. He's talking about church folk 
who actually only know the Bible intellectually, but have not received it at the level of conviction that it is the God honest truth worth dying for. So a person can have Bible in their head and not have Bible as the essence of their being. That means they have not received the word. They heard it. They just have not received it. They have not received the love of the truth that they might be saved. Two lines open. one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back to time 621 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's continue having a conversation with James before we go to Donna on line one. By the way, the lines are open. Two lines are open. one 367 if you want to join in on the conversation. James, are you still there? I'm here, brother. Yeah, so, you know, we we do this, um, and I think it's okay to do. I think it's simply the expression of uh, human longing uh, to, to be uh, self-censored and have a sense of perplexity uh, about something that should be so obvious, um, you know, when when we're in the community of faith and people are, can be so quick to quote the Bible and uh, have different triumphal verses that they use to support themselves. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, he shall make me the, the head and, and they shall be the tail. And we can go on and on and on. The problem is Jesus said in John eight thirty one, you're only my disciples if you continue in the truth, a deep, profound, committed analysis of the truth. A deep, profound, committed analysis of the truth, even when that truth runs counter to your feelings or your assumptions or your predilections or your bits or your drives, your propensities, etc. You're not his disciple if you overthrow the word of God at a time when it's not popular. You're not his disciple when you look around and you are part of the few and not the many. You're not his disciple. You're just a religious person that has conveniently employed God's word. See, we live in a country that is post-Christian, James, and what that looks like is there is a lot of secular amenities and benefits in a Christian country and, and Christians in America have lived in Disneyland. They have lived in Vanity Fair. You and I have uh, lived in a world that largely does not challenge the Christian. And now things are coming from the top down, challenging the Christian and the Christian has no desire to stand up for the challenges, at least the Christians in the Bay Area, the Christians in uh, America. This is not true around the world. If the cameras were allowed to be uh, panned across the world, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of true believers are standing up for what's right. And and in conjunction with multiple people who are seeing these evils that you and I are dealing with, and they're opposing it. But part of the goal of the enemy is censorship, as it was in the days of Hitler. So you and I have to walk by faith and continue to hold up the banner and continue to speak the truth in love, hoping that some Christians will become grounded. Um, we may not uh, waste much energy with Christians who have been around for decades, who have never prepared themselves for the storms of our day. In all likelihood, they have been taken. And you, you know what I mean? That evil net has swept them away because they were not willing to be prepared. Uh, 
like Noah and his family. They weren't prepared for, for the evil day. Even though Jesus said it, the prophet said it, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 12, in uh, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So there you go. Folks like to just enjoy church, not that much, and then uh, enjoy swimming with the stream. And that to them, that's Christianity. Um, but nothing of that nature is the truth. I'm going to give you one last word before we move on, brother. I, I like what you just said about the, the way you termed it about not, not wasting time. Not necessarily, you didn't call it like this with the older generation. But our hope and our future is in, and I, and I know you're aiming at this towards the young people, towards the show. Uh, because I really like the Deuteronomy account, Deuteronomy 6. We you talked know, about it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean that, that's, some, that, that's some rich text right there that if we could just start there and do that with, with our children, because they're a servant, they're like sponges. You know, they... They haven't been, like you said, they haven't been polluted. Their, their that's spirits right. haven't been polluted. And that's what this whole, to me, what this whole diabolical scheme is about, is to stop us from raising our own children, trying to take our children away. Absolutely. Because the children are our future. Absolutely. And we can just drill down even on the local levels, even like, you know, like we were talking about elections and we vote. Yep. We have to get more involved on the grassroots level. Like yes, we do. School districts, you know, the, the, yep. the uh, school boards. Because that's where the farming is taking place right there. That's that's where they're getting it. That's what part of it is anyway. No, no you, you're absolutely right. We we this is what the uh, this is what Michael uh, uh, Peter McCullough's article opened up saying: take the power from the corporate elites and give it to responsible citizens. That was the whole premise of the Constitution was to help us understand if you're gonna be free. You're going to have to be virtuous and then you're going to have to be involved. You cannot. And see, I I can take up this whole segment with this. And you know that you look in your public schools and the vast majority of your African-Americans and your Latinos are absentee parents. And that that has been the case growing case with white people as well. But once you are absentee parents, you don't you have no idea the policies and the protocols and the different curriculums that's getting forced down these children's throats. But again, we talked about that. We will continue to talk about it because Noah is going to be a man that raises his family for 100 years to prepare them for this storm and they will get into the boat. Thank you for the call, my dear brother. Let me go to line number one and talk with Donna from San Mateo. Donna, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Pastor Hi. Jesse. Hi, how are you? Um, What's up? What's I, your thoughts? I'm I'm really good. Um, so uh, all is amazing how God is. Um, everything that you're bringing up was about what I was going to speak about. So I grew up in a generation. I love TV, right? And right. music, music and TV, and uh, um, and I love books also. But the um, the TV I remember led us down this little path that that's how that's where your morals came from, right? Yeah. Because uh, my mom would work, or my dad would work, or there was dysfunction everywhere. And then I remember my little brothers um, going through a whole phase where they were latchkey kids too. I was out working. They were home by themselves. They'd have to let themselves in, feed themselves and whatever. And I remember what they were watching. Now, yeah. and then when my nieces and nephews came along and I was watching them, 
I started to, God bonked me on the head, and I thank him every day for that, for finding me, that lost yeah. sheep. But yes. I remember sitting there with these children and watching TV with them. I would not let them watch TV by themselves. And I started to watch how they would take a character and they'd make you feel sorry for the evil character, the one yes. that was, yes. you know, lying, the one that would do all these different things. And then I started to see and I would ask them questions and I would say, you know, or we'd be out in public and I'd ask them, what do you think about that? You know, a little kid throwing a fit or whatever or somebody doing something. We'd be always watching and I'd be always telling them because I I was able to learn the word, start learning the word, and know who God was, and then I knew the difference between good and evil. These children these days don't know the difference between good and evil, and I think a lot of people don't even believe that evil is evil. I was reading an article that said, Satanists are evil. Like, what? Duh? Really? Right. Like, are we that depth that we don't know the difference between right and wrong or evil or like Disneyland, how they started pumping up all these characters, you know, like making the little, uh, the children of the evil characters, making them look all colorful and, Oh, yep. you should be like them. And then yep. you'd see Halloween come along and all these, all these little babies dressed as a joker or all these villains. It was, yep. it was yep. like what was happening to these parents is that they didn't have anybody showing them the real way. And so, like you said, media or like Jordan Peterson said, the media, um, the medical field, I even see the medical field is so strange how they will do experiments on patients because I work in the medical field that damage yep. women and it's it's not a problem for them to tell them, no. oh, you're getting the gold standard in mesh. Let's implant mesh in you. And then these women go for the rest of their lives with these pain and thinking that, oh, I, I can believe this doctor, right? Because doctors don't lie. I, I just see how, like you were saying, the whole media complex, the military complex, the medical complex, these all how they've been basically putting their agenda first and people are like oh there's no such thing as evil oh it's okay you know for that little kid to uh change its sex but what yeah. i've been seeing in my field is that they're not changing they're adding to yeah. they're yeah, they want to be a male and a female they you know but don't call them a male and a female call them whatever they want you to call them and you have to be don't say anything out loud. Don't, you know, you might offend somebody. Well, yeah, you should offend them because yep. they're going down the wrong path. If you love them, you will tell them the truth. If you love them, you will tell them the truth. We got to do it with what you already know. It. We got to be wise as serpents, gentle as does, but definitely not fearful. Listen, we could talk at length because you are a cherished caller. When you're in the medical field and able to speak up like this, you are allowing thousands and thousands of people who are in the precarious situation of going to doctors and being part of uh, medical care who are being controlled and scolded and authoritatively dominated because they don't have any real grounding when they go in there. Everything you said was true, my sister. Talk to you soon. Got to take a hard break. When I come back, Marsa on line three. Got two lines open, one 888 Two lines open, one 888 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. 
All right, we've uh, we've got one more segment. Um, I can take one, maybe two calls if you want to. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let me go to line number three and talk with Marcia, Marcia from Los Gatos. Marcia, are you there? I'm here, Jesse. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts? Yes, first of all, just let me take a small moment to thank you for being chosen, for listening to God, for knowing God, for creating your desire for more evangelism, all the work you do. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just thank you so much, and I thank God. I thank Jesus for having you here for us. Um, I want to say that I believe that all the things that are coming down in the last three years are to divide us. I believe that that division is carried on with the um, children, especially, who are listening to TikTok. And I believe that the transgender approach is to tear them away from their parents by giving them a tool they think can control their parents. They think they can cause their parents to be, what are you talking about? Of course you're a, you're a, a beautiful child made of God, from God, and yep. you need to love that like God loves that. And then they see they can cause distress. And I think all children at one point think their parents don't know it, what's right, and that they do. And heck, we're being told to clean our rooms or we're being told to wait for, to drive a car. We're being told, you know, not tonight with that long conversation. I don't have any technology here. I've let it go. I'm retired. I was in the healthcare field, still am, but uh, I don't have TVs. I have no computer. I have no cell phone. I love my radio. And I believe that there's something also working against the communication that's happening on AM radio. So I'm so grateful you're here for us, Jesse. Thank you. I'm going to actually um, speak to all three of those categories just briefly because uh, Marsha is someone who has, um, by the grace of God, stood back and have been courageous enough to see it for what it is and to say it for what it is. There is no doubt that the fundamental strategy of our um, treacherous government is divide and conquer. This is called politics. Anyone who is reasonably intelligent understands that we are at a level of political divide that has never been since this nation has existed. We've been fervent. We've been passionate. There have been all kinds of things. Today, however, the division is polarizing. Let me let me do a little commentary on this because this here stratifies across relationships too. I'm I'm noticing this. There's nothing wrong with having two opinions. You can have yours, I can have mine. We can have different opinions, and it doesn't mean we are divided. It just seems it just means that we are individuated on our views. We can find ways with our differences of opinions to integrate for the purpose of maintaining higher, hierarchical authorities, hierarchical principles, hierarchical goods. This is the reason why God made them male and female. A husband and a wife can have different opinions. They must not be polarized. Once you polarize, there is no ground of harmony. I can have a difference 
with you and you can have a difference with me. And our differences on that particular subject can be vigorous and sincere and they can be resolved to be held uh, independently while we still maintain a robust commitment to a plethora of other things that constitutes our unity. And this is where God has called us as the body of Christ to be. But that means we have to be willing to test and analyze and be brave enough to say, I disagree. And here's the reason why and be brave enough to hear you say, I disagree. And this is the reason why. And with our children, they have indeed been taught to be not only disagreeable with their parents, but divisive and polarizing. The problem here is polarization. Once you polarize, you've gone from being an adversary, you guys, to being an enemy. Listen carefully to what I'm saying, because I see this avidly. People don't even know how to coexist with differences anymore. They don't know how to uh, go. You know what? He or she may have an element of truth there. I don't know. I should investigate more fully and then be able to discern whether or not the level of allegiance that that person has to that thing merits some distance between you and them. This is the case with you and your children. Of course, your children are going to come home with crazy ideas that you don't agree with. And of course, they're going to be in private and secret under the assumption that you are just a a backwards goose that comes out of the Stone Age because they're under the deception that they have figured it all out. It takes a long time for a young adult to realize that really good parents knew a whole lot more than they were willing to give them credit for. But yes, this is part of the demoralization of our culture and it's happening across the spectrum of relationships. Marsh is correct. And of course, it has been a byproduct of the television and the whole media thing. This gives you and I an insight into this reality. Listen, the mind is fragile. It's fragile. This is why God said, Protect the mind, gird up the loins of your mind. The mind is fragile. You and I can easily be deceived. You and I can easily be distracted. You and I can easily be trapped by things that don't correspond with reality or with God. That's what's going on in our present culture today. This is something that we need to be very careful about. Thank you, Marcia, for your kind words. I'm going to go now to line number uh, one and speak with Elisa from Burlingame. Elisa, are you there? Hi. Hi, Jesse. Hi. We got about two minutes before our break. What's your thoughts? Okay. Um, well, some disturbing things happened last night. Actually, yesterday was a pretty disturbing day. Um, as far as like just people being asleep that I thought would be awake with child trafficking, with the banking. And then to top it off, um, someone was in my home last night that was telling me that her grandmother used to do illegal abortions. And I, uh, I, I, I didn't even, like, I felt like I just went numb. Right. And... It's just so dark and demonic that it, I don't. It wasn't like bragging, but it was. I don't even. I don't even know. I I can't even describe it. I I can tell I you. Wanted, I can tell you what you're feeling because you and I have talked about this before. Um, and and you're trying to work through a different mode of responding to these kind of dark places because you know. Um, 
we have been the victims of some of this stuff in our past life. And so your past reaction used to be one of um, retribution, uh, emotionally, rhetorically, and, and otherwise. Now, as a Christian, we learn to absorb it, and it takes on a level of uh, emotional impact and empathy that sometimes confuses you. Uh, and I know what the, I, I get that. I understand that. I, I do. And, and what you have to do, and I talked about this yesterday in the sermon, if you recall, I talked about being able to take the hit of an abuse, a wrong, whether it's directly at you or indirectly through other people's behavior, absorb it and, and allow the shield of God's presence and grace to give you time to recover and recover so that your response to it won't be in the flesh, but in the spirit. I'm going to take a break. I'll come back. I'll talk about that more. Thank you for that observation. It's important. We are in a spiritual war. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We're back. Uh, Ten minutes to go. Let me see if I can uh, wrap this up with two things. Two things. A, a word about... Um, how how to identify what kind of person you are in in, in the area of um, of service to God, a uh, an advocate, uh, the gift of advocacy um, uh, is something that some of us have. This often will be the case with someone who is a uh, a prolific mediator, uh, compelled to stand in the gap between one person and the other, particularly for the vulnerable. So the gift of advocacy is the kind of person that absorbs evil in a way in which it compels them to want to do something about it. There are a lot of people who don't have the gift of advocacy, and so they actually avert um, trouble. They will avoid trouble or or harden and 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 just kind of you know see no evil, hear no evil, and uh, speak no evil. That's that's a bad way to be. But some of us will have the gift of advocacy, and we will feel compelled to step in the gap. And even if we don't, what will ha- happen is that we will we will emote, and that's what's going on with, with with Lisa. She's emoting because once you visualize and hear and see and observe these kinds of atrocities, I'm going to use the analogy of of Wonder Woman, um, even though there's some fallacies in the premise of it, the overall ethic is good. Let's imagine um, um, our sisters in the faith uh, being Amazonian women uh, growing up in a culture where they've had to fight wars and they've been taught how to how to fight and uh, the symbol of war by the sword. I'm teaching you guys that with regards to the angel of the Lord and and the uh, and the sword. We'll be dealing with that Tuesday and Friday of this week. If you want to come out to the study, those of you, uh, we are doing great studies in angelology at Grace Bible Church in Hayward, 630 tomorrow night. 6:45, and then again on Friday about 6:45. Great studies. You can you can get us online too. But uh, love to have you in house. Um, but the uh, the 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 theme of Wonder Woman is that when she came across that uh, that male, that's your paradox. The male ends up as a consequence of war in the domain of an all female uh, society of warrior women. Uh, and most of the women in that female society were simply committed to the preservation of their own gender. And I get that. That's that's the message coming across on a feminist level. But on a much more uh, theologically uh, equitable level, 
the uh, the godly woman uh, represented in Wonder Woman has a deeper penetrating awareness of the evil that's taking place across humanity. And she goes back with this man into the realm of war, into the theater of conflict because she's compelled to be a mediator. She believes that she's the only one can deal with the diabolical entity behind the evils in the SS. There's a whole lot of stuff going on there that's propaganda, okay? Uh, SS bad, America good. I get all that. Uh, We could deconstruct it on a bunch of levels, but on a theological and spiritual level, when we have the gift of advocacy, we do not do well unless we have a solution, unless we deal with it, unless we're compelled to make sure that that situation gets resolved, whether it's counsel, advice, whether it's standing in the gap, defending somebody. And that's where you are, Lisa. Uh, But as a newborn baby in Christ, you're learning how to handle yourself in a much more godly way. And responding is going to take some time for you to learn how to respond in a wise and a redemptive way so that you use your gift that you had from a little child to actually um, to actually do some good for the kingdom of God. We'll pray that through. As you know, I've been uh, encouraging you around finding your gifting. It's there. Uh, often we find our gifting and our brokenness. There's no doubt about it. And you are you're on the verge of that. You'll be all right, my dear sister. We need men and women standing in the gap, not 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 being silent, not cowering, but standing for the Lord. Let me see if I can actually uh, finish off a conversation with Lisa online too. Uh, in San Jose. Lisa, are you there? Uh, yes, Pastor Gaston, I'm here. Hi, we've got a short period of time. Do you have an observation yes. or a question? I'm just on board with everything that, of course, that you uh, have, um, you know, given us for our soul, for the ministry. Amen. And um, I do echo Marsha's concerns about um, young people and uh, these yep, platforms yep. that they have to degrade themselves and it i experienced it unfortunately firsthand my precious son um you know i i pray so hard for him not to go into the clutches of satan and satan wants me uh, wants us to fight and me to go against him he's now living in santa fe new mexico can you imagine yeah. And I pray for him. I I just say, uh, I pray the blood of Christ over him. Amen. Amen. And because I will not allow Satan one inch, one millimeter of a foothold in in my baby Nicholas's life. Amen. Christ I'll tell you what. Now I'll tell you what. We're gonna. I'm gonna close with you on that. I only got two minutes to go. I'm, I'm gonna just use that because uh, Marsha led us into that. I, no, actually, James did. If you guys recall, James was talking about. You know, really, our our desire is to get our downline to um, our children, our children's children. I'm at grandfather grandfather mode now. Um, and I really am praying for my grandkids to do a better job as well. So I'm praying for them and I'm trying to leave a model for them, too, because the battle is fierce. Um, when your children succumb and often they will, this is the parable of the prodigal son. Be like the heavenly father. Wait. Now, the waiting is not sitting around idle and listless, ladies and gentlemen. The waiting is waiting in faith. Waiting in faith for God to allow them to run their course until they realize that they are not 
of this world and begin to have a hunger and repentance and returning to the true and the living God, which is a function of God's grace and God's time. But God would have you and I to wait on our children, wait on the Lord, not in a uh, passive way, but in a very active way of praying for them and then living a a non-compromised life. You and I have to continue to live for the grace of God. We must not let our kids think that it's all right to live like hell and somehow presumptuously we can go to heaven. We want them to come to a point of conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. We want them to to be grieved at some point for living in this pigsty of foolishness and secularism and carnality and adultery and fornication and homosexuality and transgenderism and all. We want them to wake up to the reality that they're created in the Imago Day. But only God can do that, and God will do that when God wants to do that. And it doesn't matter whether they are on a different planet, let alone a a different country, we can pray for them to that end. And we must pray into the grave that God can turn them around and will turn them around if we never, ever see it again. This is this allows you and I freedom from feeling responsible for having to make them change or see them change. We do not have to see them change. All we have to do is believe for that change and, and, and leave this world believing God for his mercy and his grace up your children in the way that they should go. And in their old age, the word of God will not leave them. They may leave it, but God's word won't leave them. And God can water that that seed anytime he wants to. It can metabolize. It can bear fruit, take root downward. It can convict them of sin. It can cut the lights on. It can make them thirsty for God. It can bring about internal crisis. It can make them dubious. It can make them uh, sensible. It can bring them to a place of repentance and like the prodigal son i'm going back home to my father i'll see you tomorrow night bible study 6 30 6 45 and then prayer in jesus name Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.